Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 60, we've got a new face to introduce here to our listeners. We've also got plenty to get to around campus and with Big 12, 12 Media Days. I'm Wesley Euler. This is In the Gun, your new favorite WVU football podcast. I'm joined, as always, with the best teammates in the business, Jed Drenning, the signal caller, and Owen Schmidt, the runaway... Oh, wait, no, Owen is not here today. It is the newest member of our ITG crew. Uh, Owen playing in a golf outing today. So we figured we'd just give him the day off. He was talking about trying to rush home, but we wanted him to enjoy himself. And I'm sure he's a little lubed up knowing Big O. So we told him to take the evening. And we thought this would also kind of be an easy and nice way to introduce uh, the newest member of our crew, Skylar Callahan here. Um, Skyler is going to be doing a, a lot of different stuff with us. You'll be seeing him on, on shows and he'll be hosting and participating. He'll be helping us with, uh, his production chops behind the scenes as well too. Uh, Skyler, if you follow WVU sports, I know you've seen his work. I know you've seen his Twitter account. He's built a heck of a following for himself. Uh, Skyler, what's up, buddy? Welcome, uh, to the party here and, uh, and we're excited to have you on board. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. And, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I've talked to both of you guys off, off the air a few times now. And um, I'm just excited for what, what this year is going to have for us all in store. I think West Virginia fans are going to get a whole new perspective kind of, of uh, coverage, I guess you should say. Yeah. And you've got a lot of different personalities with, with Jed and Wes and Owen, myself. Uh, Eugene Napoleon is going to join with, join with me again this year. So we've got a lot of different voices, but – we're all here for the same thing. That's to give you guys the best mountain year coverage uh, from start to finish. So it, I'm, I'm glad to be working with you guys, and, and thanks for for join, allowing me to join. I told him uh, when we were off the airways, I don't know if you heard me or not, I said we glanced at him, and Owen looked a lot different, right? I thought, yeah, lost some weight, trimmed up his beard. Yeah, we had the uh, the runaway VW bug, right? So that's, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's your new your new nickname, Skyler. We got the we got oh, the beard truck and the bug. Now hold yeah. on, he's not wearing any tie dye, and he doesn't have flowers <laughs> in his hair. Right? I don't know if it's the V. I don't know if it's that's the VW. True. All right, but... he's, a Ford, he's a Ford Fiesta. That's, that's right. That's right. He, he he shops at Toothman Ford, as everybody should, right? A runaway uh, Ford fiesta this this (laughs) this episode of itg is brought to you in part by our friends at bet online folks bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs you can get the latest odds lines and matchup reports all summer long for baseball boxing golf and more bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and all your favorite casino and card games available right to play on your phone so head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up for your 50% welcome deposit on your first deposit. That's promo code BLEAV at Bet Online where the game starts. And gentlemen, I I think we're all a little sick of of talking about this. I think it's um it's left a foul taste in in everybody's mouth uh for a litany of different reasons. Uh but once again, we've got to just spend a few minutes here talking on the latest uh, about the Bob Huggins saga ongoing with the former, at least in our minds, I think former WVU basketball coach, maybe not in Coach Huggins' mind. Um, if you somehow missed it, Bob Huggins is now saying, and and through his lawyer in 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 a letter that that he never actually resigned from the university. I, we don't need to get into all the details now; they're out there. If you want to go look them up, it's been a few days at this point. Most of you are probably familiar. The university responded with a very thorough kind of bullet point response as to why Bob Huggins did resign. It was 
a heck of a diss track, if I will say so, from the university, I feel like. Um, so that's kind of where we are now. I, I, Skyler, I know you're always really good with this stuff. You've got your boots on the, on the ground, your, your ears on the grind. Um, I don't think there's been any reply, at least publicly from, from Bob Huggins or, or from his lawyer. Um, so that kind of leaves us now. I don't know if we're still in a standoff. It's kind of a wait and see, but it's, it's just been honestly a very sad situation from, from where this thing started a couple months ago to where it is now. I, the one thing we can all agree on is that nobody wanted to see it end this way. No. I mean, it, it's an ugly breakup. I mean, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. Like, you always envision Bob Huggins just kind of riding off into the sunset, you know, hopefully um, in, a, in a much better situation than this where he gets the send-off and he gets to, you know, have one last game in front of the fans at the WVU Coliseum and everyone knows it, that that's his last game or probably his last game, and he can get that proper send-off. But – Clearly, that's not going to happen. And I know there's a lot of people on, on Facebook and Twitter that are saying, well, you know, he, he might have a case here. I, I'm telling you right now, Bob Huggins is not going to be reinstated as the head coach of the OU men's basketball. It's just not going to happen. It, it's, it's, there's too much that has happened in a short period of time for Ren Baker or anybody in that administration to trust Bob Huggins. And in, in all honesty, like even if he didn't have – even if he technically didn't resign himself – I think he should have just let it go. You know what I mean? Just the, the news is what it is. It's time for WVU to move in a different direction instead of driving all this up. It's yeah. just it's nonsense in my opinion. I would agree with that. And it's reached a point where there almost certainly will be a 30 for 30 made one day. Yeah. <laughs> that 30 for 30 will, it'll feel like a Greek tragedy when you watch it. Right. Uh, I agree with what Ren Baker said. In Jerry World today, when he was asked about it, he was very short with his answer. He said, look, guys, I I'm done talking about it. It's in the hands of the lawyers now. That's what billable hours are for. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, the last thing I want to do is spend my day talking yellow Bob Huggins. So I'm moving on. Uh, it's tragic. It's unfortunate. You kind of wish that he could have scripted a much different ending to this oh. in incredible career. But nobody's happy about it. I can't imagine a scenario, just like Skylar said, he, he's in which I'm not a lawyer. Okay. But I can't imagine any scenario in which he would coach again. I mean, if nothing else, fine, you didn't resign. Okay. Now we're going to fire you instead. I mean, you know, that, that would seem to be the, the response from the university, but anyway, moving on. Yeah. It's, uh, it sucks in that regard. It does. I mean, this, it, it, Skylar's right. W whenever it was the end for Bob Huggins, it should have been, you know, it should have been with with roses and and with the proper goodbye. And you know he he would have spent this he would have spent this whole season being the winningest college active college basketball. I mean, every single game when the broadcast pans to the two coaches on the sideline before tip off, it would have been here's Bob Huggins, basketball Hall of Famer, winningest coach in in an active active coach in Division One. That's a, I mean, that's a huge miss for him. That's a huge miss for the program. And, and now it's gone the opposite way where, you know, your interim coach and your assistants, all who are tied to you are trying to kind of piece this thing together. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just brutal. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Um, and the longer it lingers, like I appreciate what Ren said. It is in the hands of the lawyer now. And Jed, those are some expensive billable hours. I tell yeah. you for, for sure there. Um, 
but the the quicker that this is all resolved and gets put behind us in some form or fashion is better for everybody involved and certainly for Josh and his staff and the basketball program. Uh, some better news as it relates to the baseball program. Uh, how about some congratulations to a couple of our baseball Mountaineers? We talked a, a good amount about the baseball team, you know, here in our around campus segments uh, throughout the incredible season that they had, obviously, as we've discussed, not the ending to the season that we all wanted, but still uh, a banner year for the program. Co-Big 12 regular season champions is high, uh, highly ranked as number six in the country at one point this year. Well, usually when you're that good, that's because you have some guys that can play, right? And some guys that end up getting drafted. Uh, Carson Reed, the pitcher to the Pirates in the fourth round. Little nugget for you. He's 2-0 and at PNC Park already. How about that? As he goes to the Buccos in the fourth round. Braden Barry, uh, center fielder to the Jays in the eighth round. Uh, congratulations to those two. There were a couple other guys who got signed, you know, as undrafted free agents. I don't know if that's a baseball term as well, but to, to use a football term there. And then you guys were talking before we went on, and I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit more because I think you're more versed in this, but it sounds like WVU baseball to cap off a, you know, successful couple days here, uh, just got a dynamite uh, recruit at a high school as well, too. Yeah. So Chase Meyer, uh, very highly regarded, uh, had offers from some of the best baseball programs in the country, like Coastal Carolina. You don't think of Coastal Carolina being big time school, but in baseball, they are. Baseball's great. Um, yeah. They're, they're, he has a few other offers. Can't think of the top of my head. I think UC Irvine was another. He had some other SEC offers, ACC. But uh, he's already touching 94, 95 on the gun as an 18-year-old. So, I mean, he's got a hard slider. It's That's got impressive. A of rotations on it. Uh, the changeup's kind of a, a work in progress. But he's a guy that if he can develop that third pitch, he's going to be, in, like, as I told you guys before, he's going to have a J.J. Weatherholt-type impact as a freshman mm -hmm. on the mound. And I wouldn't be surprised by the end of his career if he has an Alec Manoa-type impact for West Virginia, just because how that. that that fastball slider combination is, so it's huge for them. At one point, he was going to be a top five round pick. Yeah, um, that's the coup, right? He didn't declare yeah. for the draft. He so he's actually heading to college for the next three years, at least. Yeah, yeah. And and I talked to him uh, two or three days ago, and he said once it got after round ten, he said I knew I was just coming to West Virginia. So now West Virginia's got a, a future race on their hands, and Love Randy has got another potential Alec Manoa. Hey, if he's Alec Manoa and what Alec was the 11th overall pick, I want to say, is that right? I yeah. know he was, I, I think he was, I know he was first round. I think he was 11th overall, something like that. Hey, if he's, if he's that good. And Alec, obviously this season has been a, a little back and forth with him, but I mean, just recently he was a Cy Young finalist. If, if we have that type of guy coming through the program again, that's, that's fantastic. Nice, nice bounce back. Yeah. Today. Nice bounce back. He did have a nice bounce back, which is good to see. Hopefully he's, he's returning to that again, Cy Young type form. Uh, but that's, that's some, that's some good news. Excited for all those guys who were drafted. Let's, let's continue that momentum that was built this past year and keep it rolling here uh, into the, into the upcoming season. Speaking of momentum, uh, we might've grabbed some new listeners here along the way in the past week or so. Uh, Jed, some, some good, I mean, yeah. I tell you what, we did kind of set up Skylar here. I mean, this is, this that's is right. It's like, it's like if I was a stand-up comedian and you're throwing me on stage after Jim Carrey. I mean, that's a tough act to follow <laughs> here, right? But uh, the Rich Rodriguez episode last week, we hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, some some big numbers, one of our one of our best viewed uh, shows in terms of downloads and on YouTube. So uh, thanks to everybody for that. And Jed, I think, you know, of course there always is. You know, Skylar was mentioning Facebook and Twitter comments earlier. There's always some people coming out of left field 
who just are never going to change their opinions or never going to waver based on any information like that that is new or that is brought up. But I think most people receiving that well, and I think it's a good time to, you know, maybe this applies to some of the Bob Huggins stuff that, that we discuss as well. It's cliched and Ren Baker said it, said it before, but it's true. Like time does heal all wounds in a way. And I think that that has started, you know, maybe not started, but that process has, is, is well underway. I think with Rich Rodriguez and uh, himself, the fans, the administration, everybody involved, I'm sure wishes that it was handled differently, but we've been enough removed now where um, you appreciate those years that he gave to WVU football and where he took the program and everything that he was able to do. And I think that was reflected in, in the, in 95% of the comments and, and the, you know, reviews and things like that, that we got that, Hey, it was good to hear him be candid about some of these topics and, you know, we wish him all the best. We hope he's doing well. So uh, sorry for setting you up a little bit, Skylar, but Jed, good, good job with, with booking the guests last week. <laughs> yeah. And you know, our, our only omission uh, last week and, and having Rich on the show was to provide what we thought would be some pretty cool, interesting content. And I think we accomplished that. We figured it would be fun to, uh, to have him on there and, and tell old war stories with me from one era, Owen from another era. And, and it was everything we thought it'd be. Uh, and as you said, the response was great. Uh, it really resonated. Uh, you know, just the sheer volume of comments and downloads and subscriptions and the numbers were overwhelming. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big hit in terms of the traffic that it generated. Uh, and, and all we were trying to do was once again, uh, same thing we're trying to do with every one of these episodes is entertain you. I mean, that's what we are, right? That's what sports is. So I think we we by and large accomplished that with some fun stories last week, some great content. And as you touched on, picked up uh, a slew of new subscriptions, uh, new subs on YouTube. Uh, so the numbers were there for sure, but uh, it was good fun. And uh, we're going to try. We're running out of time before we head to camp and real football picks back up. But we're still trying to squeeze in one or maybe two more uh, key critical uh, summer guests. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but th- that one worked out really well. Uh, sure did. So everyone who's been rocking and rolling with us this past year that we've been doing this podcast, hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, to those that are maybe, uh, you know, jumping in here now after seeing that last week and the words of uh, John McClain, welcome to the party pals. And uh, we uh, we hope to be pumping out more content. And yes, maybe uh, maybe still some more guests here. I'm striking out in my attempts to One more thing, to, Wes. to find that Maryland girl for Owen to bring on the show and interview. <laughs> the, the only the, 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 the college the college student from Maryland who she can chug beer faster than Big O. But I have, I'm striking out. I can't find Great her. Mystery. It's getting a little it's getting a little creepy at this point. All right, I'm 32 years old. I don't need to be sliding into college girl. Don't give up. Don't give up. But last yeah, week, don't let my, don't my wife hear mystery. <laughs> of country roads when that tradition started it did start when rich was here but we couldn't Mm -hmm. remember how far into his time here that started uh i've since solved the mystery you know who was behind the country roads tradition okay tell me rita rodriguez oh yes so we might have to get dusty on sometime to tell that story but but it did start part way through rich's tenure here did you find out which Um, game it was by chance i'm sure dusty would know but uh i just know that did you know what's What's funny too is the is the WVU first down started during Rich's tenure. I think against the, a game against Rutgers, I want to say. So okay. I tell you what, a lot of uh, a lot of tradition. Hey, it's amazing what happens when you're winning a lot of football yeah. games and you're yeah. nationally ranked <laughs> and prominent, right? I mean, amazing yeah. things happen. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, 
Another thank you to Toothman Ford, as always, one of our uh, presenting sponsors of ITG. Whether you're a Ford Fiesta or an F-150 or an F-350, get your butt to Grafton uh, because we all know cars cost less in Grafton. All right, gentlemen, time to get to uh, the – not the soup du jour. What's the entree of the day? Is there a fancy name for the entree of the day or something like that? Uh, The – the special of the day. I don't know. I've been watching the bear a lot on Hulu that the TV show that's about like the kitchen, the kitchen in Chicago. I don't know if they've come up with a fancy term. I'll have to pay more attention, but it's big 12 media days uh, wrap up here is uh, Neil Brown, Ren Baker and company, a handful of the players as well too. Uh, of course, down in Jerry world for uh, big 12 um, media days preseason here before we get going and and speaking of preseason jed i know you wanted to talk about before we get into some of the comments made by neil brown by brett your mark um the big 12 media polls are out and they didn't exactly uh favor our mountaineers no they didn't uh the media uh preseason poll voted texas to win the big 12 before jetting off to the sec horns down and voted west virginia to finish 14th and I struggle to believe either. How many? Teams. Wait, how many teams are going to be in the Big 12 this year, Jed? 14 out of 14. Oh, okay. Yeah, 14 out of 14. Now, bear in mind, the good news is a year ago, or even in recent history, more specifically a year ago, the Big 12 in a 10-team Big 12, the, the media was 0 for 10 in their preseason picks last year. Hmm. So they don't ha- exactly have a stellar track record uh, recently, but – we're going to talk more about that in Neil's response at Media Day. There you go. Uh, but Skyler, quick comments on that. Yeah, I mean, I think 14th is is kind of crazy to be honest with you. I mean, you look at the four teams coming in; they have talent. But let's let's be honest. Like Cincinnati's not the same team that went to the CFP a few years ago. Um, Central Florida's good. Um, they're probably the strongest of the four newcomers right now. Houston's really going to struggle. I think they they lost a ton of talent. Tank Dell, Clayton Toon, the list goes on and on. BYU is kind of the mystery. I don't know where they're going to end up, but I think Cincinnati and Houston, I think those two are probably going to be the ones that finish toward the bottom. I personally have West Virginia at 11, so I'm not much higher, but I don't think they're the worst team in this conference by any means. Well, gentlemen, the last time the Big 12 expanded and added the Mountaineers and, and TCU, uh, WVU was actually picked to finish second in the conference our, our first year, right behind Oklahoma. Of course, we were coming off the Orange Bowl. We were bringing back Geno and Stedman and Tavon and, and all those guys. Um, and things started out well that season and then kind of uh, kind of uh, took a nosedive pretty quickly to the tune of five straight losses. We'll see if maybe this time, now that we're at the bottom of the barrel instead of the top of the heap, it'll it'll go the opposite way. But yeah, I'm with you guys. I Listen, I'm not sitting here and saying that WVU deserves to get any first place votes or that we should be in the top two or three or anything like that. But I also think 14th out of 14 might be uh, might be a little harsh, but I also don't put a ton of stock into that. Who cares what a bunch of jabronis like me and Jed and Skyler say? The results happen out there on the football field, and all that really matters is where you're ranked at the end of the season. And uh, and not at the start of the season. Ask TCU last year if you uh, if you want any any further proof of that. Um, all right, Jed. So Brett, your mark. Big Twelve homecoming. Talk to me about this uh, this Big Twelve homecoming that was discussed down there. I, I like the effort. I like the effort. In other words, he's trying to find a way to welcome the four new members. Now you just touched on the 2012 season and what caught up to West Virginia down the stretch after the hot start. Skylar, you just talked on about some of the shortcomings that maybe the four new members would have. The four new members are going to be trying to avoid what West Virginia encountered in 2012, and that's an issue of depth. 
because what catches up to you when you go from G5 to Power 5, and the Big East wasn't even G5, it was just a smaller P5, but uh, depth is going to be an issue for those teams. Now they've spent the last couple of years from a recruiting cycle standpoint trying to address that because they've known they were coming into the Big 12 and they've recruited with that pitch. But what your Mark's trying to do, once again, an outside-the-box thinker, when you look at all the things that he's accomplished over the course of his first year in office, He's trying to have these, he's calling it the Big 12 homecoming promotion. It's going to start with the four new schools. Uh, there's going to be a big promotion on campus for the homecoming event. It's going to start on Thursday, focused on women's sports, and then you're going to have uh, an effort on Friday, uh, more on the uh, pro bono side and maybe uh, fundraising side, and then a, a military flyover on Saturday. In effect, he's trying to make the game a big deal. Sure. And I like the notion of doing that. So long as moving forward, maybe you find a way to get certain, you know, analyst personalities involved with maybe a pregame setup or something like whatever it might be. I'm all for creating some sort of big game environment, uh, because when you look at some of the opening comments that Brett Yormark made, one of the things that interested me, and it kind of harkened back to the old days of the Big East, he said, hey, we're not averse to, you know, Thursday or even Friday night football, especially early in the season. Uh, you know, it can be pretty grueling to play September football on a Saturday afternoon in the blazing heat of Texas, especially with so many members in the state of Texas. So maybe a Thursday night game, maybe a Friday night game. But when you look at what your mark has done in the course of just his first year in office, uh, first of all, his comments today weren't nearly as maybe groundbreaking or aggressive as what you heard a year ago. But uh, what's interesting to me is when you think about BYU, this is their first really media days in a long while. That's true. They've been independent, right? They, they haven't been flying and jetting off every, every July to media day. So, but in his first year, uh, he got the TV media rights deal with with uh, Fox and ESPN as partners through 2031 with more money without Texas and Oklahoma than we had with them. That was impressive. Uh, he expedited the uh, Texas-Oklahoma departure. That seems to be happening on pretty clean terms. Uh, he He's the one that was his brainchild for the Big 12 Pro Day. Uh, you know, aligned with the NFL, that's kind of unique. He launched Big 12 Mexico. Intriguing. Let's see where that goes. Uh, I think that's more of the type of thing you're going to sit back and wait for several years to see what plays out. And then he has this, you know, uh, hoops event at uh, Historic Record Park in New York. In other words, the guy's trying. He's thinking outside the box and he's trying to come up with unique revenue streams. So we're all sitting here parked, Skylar, at 44 million per team. And Meanwhile, the Big Ten is looking at maybe mid-70s million per team. What do you do to further close that gap? Well, maybe these are the types of things you try and explore. So an A for effort. Uh, you know, a lot of people said it sounded more like an initial public offering than uh, a football media day uh, session, right? Uh, he was very business-oriented, and he's all about branding and pragmatic, but that's who the guy is. That's why he was hired, right? That's new age. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to look at, the way he pitched the league too. And I think it was kind of a way to, to look at maybe some of the teams or schools that they're looking at um, or will look at. He, he listed off, you know, all the postseason success of the two big pro or sports programs and obviously men's basketball and football. Baseball had a really good year too. I think it was like six or seven of the nine teams made the postseason. So um, he's done a really good job. And I think, you know you're doing a really good job when everybody that is working with you and around you likes you, but everyone else hates you. And I think yeah. that's kind of what the, the narrative right now is about Brett Yormark because it 
seems like to me, I don't know about you guys, but like it seems like the ACC, the Pac-12, even really the Big Ten or even the SEC is probably just kind of like sitting back waiting for Brett Yormark to make his next move. It's yeah. like pressure is on him rather than everyone else trying to beat him to the punch. To and that point, guys, like, question for both of you. July 21st is Pac-12 media days in Vegas. Imagine the pressure on George Klyavkov. They still don't have a media rights deal. Can he yeah. step to the podium in Vegas with no media rights deal, with no TV partner? I mean, and part of that is what Skylar just talked about, the pressure that Brett Yormark has applied, right? And and the ACC, I think they just announced something today with the CW, and that was, yeah. I believe, something that the Pac-12 was trying to pursue. So I have no idea what Klyavkov is going to do. I mean, obviously you're losing USC and UCLA, but if your mark can pry away the two Arizona schools or maybe Oregon goes to the Big 12 or maybe to the Big right. 10, I mean, that, that conference is going to collapse overnight. Yeah, and that feels not a, a matter of if, a matter of when at this point. Um, but that, that's a great point by, by you guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Honestly, it's, it's like it, the, the, the chairs are, you know, shuffling on the Titanic and like there's more bodies than there are seats, you know, and uh, it can be a scary place. You know, we kind of had that that same feeling a little over a decade ago when, you know, there was the 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 obviously earlier exit of Miami and Virginia Tech and Boston College. And then, you know, all of a sudden Syracuse and Pitt are, are leaving as well, too, right as TCU is about to join the Big East and that ends up collapsing. And so uh, it's not a fun place to be. But I, I think we all uh, agree that Brett Yormark is uh, the right guy to steer and navigate a, a difficult ship for the Big 12 right now, but one that I think is certainly in a better position than the than the Pac-12, and you could absolutely argue uh, is in a better spot than the ACC as well, too. Skyler, we've talked about this a lot kind of throughout the offseason. It feels like right now, um, in terms of the money and the prestige, right, the on-field product is is always different. Um, you, you can't buy success, right? I mean, the, the, the Yankees haven't won a world series in what 14 years, which is like a lifetime for those guys. Right. Um, the Dodgers have spent hundreds of millions of dollars every year and they've been really good and they've been won a lot of division titles, but they've only won one world series. They've been to a couple and it's tough no matter how much money you, you have to spend, even though it is obviously you want to have the money, you'd rather have that advantage, but it, the SEC and the Big Ten are, are going to be one and two, one A and one B, but it's really about who can kind of solidify themselves, I think, is the third in there. And the Big 12 is in a good position to do that now and, and in the immediate future here. And Brett Yormark seems to uh, to be the guy to, again, steer and, and navigate that ship uh, for all of us. A, another thank you to GoMart. Speaking of steering uh, and navigating as you travel throughout the Mountain State, man, I tell you what, boys, I'm crushing these transitions today. Look at you. Uh, GoMart, make sure you sign up for your GoMart rewards uh here to keep you going uh last kind of thing here guys uh i know jed you said you wanted to touch on some of the things that that neil said specifically what uh what about the uh the head ball coach uh anything he said that stood out to you down there uh deep in the heart of texas okay well i, I had a chance to talk uh over the weekend to uh monty to mike montoro before they took off i i texted coach brown before they took off uh, and, and something was very apparent to me before they even got on the plane. Uh, nobody, nobody was happy about anything that came out with that poll. Okay. Now, in a world where you're constantly searching for fuel, and that fuel mm-hmm. so often comes in the form of a lack of respect, right? Well, 
they found canisters of jet fuel starting with the preseason poll. Then they got to Dallas and Neil, I, I do some things sometimes, uh, uh, Skylar, I don't know if you know David Smoke, okay, down there with ESPN Texas, but I do some things with Smokey sometimes. And Smokey was saying that when Neil sat down with him, he even noticed that all the flags in the facility were color coded according to the school's colors, except West Virginia's. It was the wrong color. So even little things like that were standing out to him. So he is processing things. He's on the hunt. First of all, they already had a team meeting on Tuesday in very colorful language. Uh, they voiced their opinions of this 14th preseason poll, right? So that kind of set the tone for what things are going to become. But when Neil then sat down behind the podium, what happens is you give you know a general delivery of your remarks and you sit back and you wait on questions from the media. Well, the media at large, the Big 12 media, asked him three questions, three, and they were out. So one more thing that, again, if you're looking for a lack of respect, first they of all, had to talk to Gun they had to, go talk, they had to right? go talk to Gundy, man. I mean, come on. They had to go talk to Gundy about rattlesnake hunting, right? But first of all, you got to earn the respect. Fair enough. you got to do it on the field, and we haven't done that nearly enough. So that's, you know, how you land in this spot, but... So he talked to the media about, look, when he first got wind of this 14th preseason in ranking, uh, it was a text from Montoro. He was on the beach on vacation. He said his vacation was over. He immediately went into football mode, and that was it. So he was kind of sour since then. And one of the things he talked about, he's like, look, here's my points as to why I can't understand this. First of all, a couple of the teams that are ranked significantly higher than this are teams that we beat at the end of the year. He said, let's start with that. He said, now – uh, let's add to that the fact that you win up front at the point of attack uh, in the game of football. And we have the best offensive line we've had since I got here with 132 starts returning, four former freshman All-Americans in that group, a budding superstar in C.J. Donaldson. Defensively, we have all-conference caliber players at each level. Defensive end, Sean Martin. We have linebacker Lee Cobra, free safety Aubrey Burks. We've added talent and experience on the back end through the portal. I ran some of the numbers, guys. When you look at the four additions that we had, and again, these are all FBS transfers. They're not they're not FCS. They're FBS transfers in the G5 level. When you look at Montre Miller, Beanie Bishop, Anthony Wilson, and uh, Keyshawn Cobb, they combined for over 500 career tackles, 57 career pass breakups, and 14 career, excuse me, let me see, five, excuse me, 12, or no, that's right, 14, 14 career years played. Okay, so that's how we tried to address that back end issue. Uh, and then he said, okay, he was asked about tempo. Uh, these are the three questions. Uh, answered pretty simply, we practice fast. We can go whatever speed we want, but the style of game will dictate that. He was asked, did you discuss this with the team? Okay, this 14th ranking. And guys, let's be honest. I mean, in, in this day and age, what do these kids not see, right? I mean, if you're on Twitter, oh. you're going to see everything, right? I mean, honestly, Jim, that athletes, have always, athletes have always seen everything. You know, it was just easier for them to Especially pretend that they. It, it was just easier for Absolutely. them to pretend that they did in a couple decades ago. Yeah. In the last couple of days, the only thing I've seen on Twitter more than the gummies being promoted by Cheech and Chong is the fact that we're 14th in the Big 12 in preseason rankings, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing that I've seen more than Cheech and Chong's gummy ads. Okay, so it's everywhere, so you can't avoid it. So wait, hold said, on. Yeah, you got the? Do you have? Do you have the contact information for those gummies? Can you? Can you send it my way? To you. I can't believe you haven't seen it. What? Yeah, get on Twitter for 13. That was a free advert. Absolutely. So, uh, 
so he talked to the team. He said, look, I just want to focus on getting better. We have a clear vision of what we have to improve on offensively. We have to be more explosive and efficient, especially on first down in the red zone and eliminate errors. Defensively, we have to limit explosive plays and create takeaways. Now, the truth is, those things are kind of interlinked. We've talked about this before. Uh, they go hand in hand. When you give up explosive plays defensively, the offense isn't on the field long enough to be turning the football over. I used to play uh, at Glenville with a defensive coordinator, Dean Hood. We talked about him last week, and he used to tell his guys, Gibby and the whole crew, keep them on the field. Something bad will happen. But when you let the offense bail itself out, self out with an explosive play, you're not going to force many turnovers because they're off the field too quick. They handled their business. Okay, so that makes perfect sense. But one of the other things we have to take advantage of is, yes, we fully expect to be able to run the football, but we want to run the football and also cash in on the possibilities of big plays in the back end of the pass game set up by virtue of the fact that we're running the football. Because in other words, what we're looking to do, we've added experience, we've added size, but more importantly, we've added speed to that receiver room. So if teams are going to get aggressive and try and bottle up what we're doing in the run game, especially if you see a lot of what we call quarters coverage, cover four, safeties tend to get active and nibble down toward the box. All you got to do is have a couple guys on the perimeter that can capitalize on single coverage against that corner with that overactive safety, sneak in behind them, boom, you got a big play. And the next thing you know, you're forcing them to react and get back out of the box and make your run game a little easier. Now, here are some interesting numbers, again, to support some of what Neil was saying. The number everybody's going to be talking about is our record when we run for 100 yards under Neil. We're 18 and four. That's in the media guide. Everybody and their brother is going to be talking about that number all the live long day. But let's take that a little bit further. We run for 150 yards. We're six. 16 and three might sound great, but last year we were only five and three. We run for 150 yards. You want to talk about the sweet spot. Here's the sweet spot. When we run for 175 yards under Neil Brown, we're 14 and one. Okay. Now here's where this gets interesting. The quarterback room has a much different skill set this year than at any point in quite a long time, probably since Skyler Howard. Okay. Callahan. So it's been a oh, long right, time. right, right. Yeah, no, that's right. The other Skyler. So it's been a long time. We're also 8-0, and we run for 200 yards. But when you look at the Big 12 over the course of the last couple years, here are the teams that have run for 175 yards a game. That sweet spot in which West Virginia is 14-1 and under Neil Brown. Only game we lost, don't, last year we ran for one. Don't, don't, don't. So, hey, you should we not have won that to, game? You had to do so it. We should you be 15-0. and 0. All right, see you. Okay? So, <laughs> there we go. So, Oklahoma last year. They averaged over 175. Their quarterbacks ran for 300. I'm going to give you the number of their quarterbacks on each one of these teams ran for. So nine out of 11 times, 11 teams in the last two years have run for 175 yards per game in the Big 12. Nine times those quarterbacks, the quarterback room, accounted for 300 yards rushing or more. Do you think that Garrett Green and Nico Marchiol can account for 300 yards rushing or more to pitch in and get that magical number of 175 in which we're 14 and one? So that's kind of what we're, that's the standard that we're striving for. That's what you're hoping to capture. That's what you're looking to do. And that's exactly what you want to try and do. And then he was asked about, okay, in the last couple of years, you've seen success in the Big 12 by Baylor and you've seen success by Kansas State. And one of the keys to their success was their length and athleticism with that athletic NFL draft picks on the back end. He said, is that what's, he was asked, is that what's necessary to win in the Big 12 today? That's when he talked about the added experience that we've 
acquired through the portal this offseason. And he said, now, does it have to be NFL draft picks? I don't know. But do you have to play at a high end on the back end defensively to succeed and challenge for a championship in this league? Absolutely. So that's what we're trying to do with a combination of what we have returning, Aubrey Burks. We have a couple young corners who we do expect to take a step and lamp and Jacoby Spells. So the guys that are returning, Marcus Floyd, you want them to take a big step as to where they were this time last November when we left the field in Stillwater. But you also have some new, very battle-tested faces. Two of these guys were all-conference players, one of the MAC and one of the Sun Belt. Again, G5-level all-conference players, but four very battle-tested defensive backs to throw into that mix and, and see what happens. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. They try to simplify things from a coverage standpoint so we can be more reactive and not think quite so much. But that's kind of what he talked about. I love, I love too, with the secondary, how you get that experience, and it changes everything with what you can do up front in the front seven because – if you have guys that know what they're doing in the back end, you can get more creative. You can send more disguised blitzes. You can you can send the house more often probably than Jordan Leslie was able to last year just because he didn't know what those guys in the back end were going to do. He had no idea if the safeties were on the same page as the corners and vice versa. So I, I think that is going to play down to the front seven. Yeah, you don't have a Dante Stills or Jordan Jefferson or Taj Alston anymore, but you still have quality players there backed up by even better players. Yeah, you certainly do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Um, when you can leave those guys on the back end on an Island a little bit more, it allows you to do much more up front. and you got to win at the point of attack on both sides of the football. I think we're all confident that the offense can do that. The defense, there's the talent there, but I'm still a little more reserved to, to wait and see. It hasn't necessary. This defense in the Neil Brown era has had some, some very good units and they've had some very, um, legitimate strengths. I don't know if if the defensive line has been one of those yet to this point. I'm not saying that they've always been a disaster either. Um, but you know, it, it was the number one pass defense in the conference. It, it, you, you haven't necessarily had those type of accolades up front uh, in in a while. Um, getting closer to that this season would be would be huge, without a doubt. But I I did just want to return, Jed, because you you covered a lot there, Jed, that 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 they talked about and that Neil talked about and all that stuff. Um, the the motivation factor, right? Sometimes yeah. to me, like Nick, Nick Saban uses the, the rat poison analogy a lot, yeah. right? And he kind of uses it in a different way, but I think it applies here too. Like everybody finds a way to motivate themselves. I don't care if you're Texas and you were just picked to win the Big 12 in the preseason. You're going to find a way to motivate. Oh, everyone's making fun of us. Oh, everybody says Texas is back in a joking manner. Oh, everyone thinks we're going to get crushed when we go to the SEC. Every team finds a way to Georgia won the national championship and their one defensive lineman. I'm forgetting his name stood on the field and said, y'all said we were going to win six or seven games this season when nobody said that. Yes. Not even, yes. not even Florida and Tennessee fans said that. All right. They yes. said, ah, this team's going to at least go 10 and two their biggest haters legitimately. So to me, all that stuff is, is a fugazi is rat poison. Like, like you're pissed off about being picked 14th. Again, nobody cares where you're picked in the preseason, really. And in fact, if you prove them all wrong and you have a good season, we'll all be standing at Mountaineer Field at the end of November holding up signs that say 14th place, huh? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, 
I, I don't need it to be this big revenge tour type thing. Go out there and win football games and go about your business and prove those people wrong. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. This, listen, this is reality. This team hasn't won more than six games in a season since 2018. Okay. Sure. So it's, it's not like you are being, again, I think 14th out of 14th is too low, but it's also not like some of this disrespect. And I use that in, in air quotes isn't warranted at the same time. Go out there and prove them wrong. Go out there and win games. You got, what, three of your first four games are at home. Um, you are fortunate in the sense of you don't play Kansas and Kansas State, two teams that beat you last year. You have all four of the newcomers on the schedule, who I think, as Jed alluded to earlier, are going to deal with with that depth. And, you know, you get sure them – Three in offenses in the Big 12 last year are not on the schedule. Correct. You you while the schedule starts very difficult in terms of going to Penn State in prime time to open the season, yikes, top 10 team in the country. And then you get pit back at home two weeks later, a team that is, Texas you know, one one twenty, and then Texas Tech, a team who Neil has never beaten before. After the start of the season, it gets much more favorable down the stretch. And one thing that Neil's teams have done that I think we can all agree on. Is, is is they've played better typically down the stretch than they have at the start of the season. So great go out you. there, go out uh, uh, again. If you've got that fire in your belly, that's great. You're going to need it right now. I'm sounding like Denzel Washington and remember the Titans. You got that, you got that anger in your yeah. belly. Good son. You're going to need it. But everybody make no mistake about it. One through 14 in this conference, they're finding ways to motivate themselves as well too. That's not going to be enough. Go out there and execute. That's the most Owen impressive things. And then I'll the be holding up a 14-place sign in November. To me, the most impressive thing about Nick Saban is he has found a way for 15 years to convince that locker room in Alabama that they're disrespected. That is the single most impressive thing that, that Nick Saban has ever done. Kirby, but Kirby Smart's doing it now, too, this. in Georgia. When these, when these polls come out, okay, they're only good for one of a couple of things. They're either going to make you complacent somewhat – and you're going to start patting each other on the butt and say, hey, we're as good as they say. Yeah, you lose a slight edge if you don't handle that very appropriately, or it's going to piss you off. Now, you have a chance to, and Neil said this. It's funny. It's like the way coaches think. When I saw it, I said, look, you can either prove them right or prove them wrong. Those are your two choices, and that's what Neil said. But I look at it like this. If you want to synthesize this thing down to its essence in terms of the remarks that he made, we got four new faces on the back end defensively. If we can find a Josh Newton type player, look what he did for the fortunes of TCU last year. If one of those guys is that caliber player, somebody approaching an all big 12 type player, if a couple of those guys hit out of those four, this defense plays at a whole different level in large measure because what it frees you up to do at all three levels. And if none of them hit, and if you missed on all four, Batting down the hatches, you're going to have to run the football, play keep away, and find ways to protect the defense. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's as simple as that. If you hit on a couple of them, this could get really fun and really interesting. But if you don't hit on any of them, well, you're going to find different ways to get creative and keep that defense off the field as much as it absolutely possible. But let's see how it goes. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with it. you got to hit on a couple of these poor guys. That's what TCU did last year. I'm not saying we're challenging for a national title or a CFP appearance. That's all I'm saying at all. But the Josh Newton kid, guess what? It came down to the wire with us and TCU because nobody else wanted him last year, right? So maybe can you find another diamond of the rough, another Josh Newton type that nobody else is really heralding that high and talking that much about? 
is one of these four kids or maybe a couple of these four kids, we'll see. If they are, then you might be in business to get a little more creative, as Skylar said, at the first level, at the second level. You can chop the front up. You can trust your back end more. You can open things up. But if not, then you have to start protecting the unit. But let's see where it goes, because at least we are built, if it comes to that, to effectively run the football with the skill set of the quarterback room in a way that we haven't seen in recent years. Not only are you going to add those raw yards, from the quarterbacks when they tuck it and go. But the accountability of accounting for that defender and the blocking scheme and that threat, that's going to open up things that we haven't seen open up for CJ and on down the line for the rest of that running back room. So we could get fun. Let's see. Yeah, there's there's one kid that I think could be that guy. And I think he's on the offensive side of the ball, though. Noah Massey. That's a kid you're going to want to keep your eyes on. Big red zone target for Garrett Green. And, and Jed talked about it earlier. You, if you have some of those big body receivers that hit on the explosive plays, like a Devin Carter on the outside, or maybe Noah Massey, Cole Taylor, those are oh. very different type bodies that they just, quite frankly, haven't had at the receiver or tight end position. So that's going to be huge for whoever wins this quarterback job. We assume it's going to be Garrett Green, but there's still a battle to be had. But I think, too, the I would probably be more concerned with how this team would handle the preseason pressure if Garrett Green wasn't still here and you had Nico Marchio and Sean Boyle battling yeah. it out too, yeah. you had hardly any experience at all, or if you had the offensive line, or if you didn't have the offensive line that you have right now, this is a more experienced team than people are giving them credit for. And just because they won five, six games over the last few years, I think that's probably a large reason why they're 14th. But I think you are a Garrett Green being a Garrett Green away from being a bowl team, maybe more, of him being a good decision-making quarterback. Not one that we saw last year with JT Daniels, because let's be honest with him. Not very much mobility, right? So he yeah. doesn't do much. And if he's struggling in a passing game, it's one-dimensional offense. So I, I think this offense and this team, they're going to be better suited to go into this season, number one. And number two, a lot of these kids that are coming back, they've been hearing this stuff really – since early November last year. They didn't even know if Neil was going to be the coach next year. They were probably exactly. thinking, oh, my gosh, am I going to the portal? What's going to happen to me? What if a new coaching staff comes in? Like, there was so much. Everyone forgets about that weird last yeah, game against Oklahoma State where it felt like that was Neil's last game. Yep. And everything changed. So, they've been hearing about game it. Game nothing. I think both quarterbacks and are going to contribute. My concern offensively is this, guys. We need to find an answer, and this is why we got to avoid these situations so much, and Neil talked about this. What do we do on third and eight? And, and I'll explain why. I do think in the red zone we're going to be far more productive from a touchdown standpoint because when the field shrinks, that dynamic at the quarterback position does matter. It really does. Uh, but when it's third and eight, now defensively they're going to be in position to do things like bracket Devin Carter. Yeah. On second and eight, they can't do that. On second and six, they can't do that. On first and 10, they can't do that because we'll run the football right down their throat. On third and eight, do we have a second option? So that's one of the reasons when they did this study in terms of the turnovers that hurt us offensively, a, a lion's share of those turnovers came in adverse third and long situations. So we got to win on early downs, stay ahead of the chains, put ourselves in manageable positions and avoid those third and longs, not just for the reason that I just said, but to also stay out of harm's way in terms of the turnovers because we want to shorthand the defense with its chances to 
get creative on the back end in terms of coverages and what they can do to take away what weapons we might have. And if it's first and 10 and you're focused on playing downhill to stop the run, you can't get that creative to take away a Colt Taylor or take away a Devin Carter. Can we find one weapon on those key third and eights to complement those guys? We'll see. Because right now, I have faith in Colt Taylor. I have faith in uh, in Devin Carter. Cortez Braham played well. Will he continue to do that in camp, what he did in the spring? But that's kind of where I'm at, third and long. Stay out of it. But when you do find yourself in it, guys, what are we going to do then? That's my question. Yeah, and I think, too, if you do get more of those third and three, third and four situations, that you have a whole different kind of arsenal of play, plays Absolutely. you can go to this year because you can go to the read option game. Garrett Green can pull it and go himself. So, yeah, I think first and second down are going to be – they're always critical. I mean, that's just football. But this year more than ever for West Virginia, it's, it's going to be extremely critical how successful this offense is going to be. Well, I've got no worries about Cole Taylor because he's being coached up by our guy, Blaine Stewart. Right. So he's right. he's about to go out there and put an All-American campaign together. I saw exactly. Blaine flex. Did you see did you guys see Blaine flexing on Twitter with the with the NFL network Ben Roethlisberger tweet? Did you guys see this? I didn't see it. No, NFL I didn't. NFL network put out like a little clip, like a, a Ben like on this day a year ago, Ben Roethlisberger retired, like something like that. And you know, there was like a like a 60-second clip with it. And it was the first probably 10 seconds of that clip were so Blaine was actually the one that would always warm up Ben in the hallway. So before before Ben would go out to like the team warm up, he would do like this light, like throwing exercises with Blaine in the in the tunnel before he'd go out and really start throwing. And Blaine quote tweeted the video and was like, uh, it was the honor of my career to to warm up number seven for his last his last season his of his Hall of Fame career. I was like, yeah, but you get you get it out there, baby. You put that out there for the recruits. Yeah, cousin, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I like so, it. Listen, a, a lot to be excited about and a lot to be encouraged about. But let's go win some games, right? That's all that when we're sitting here in the end of November and in December, that's what's going to matter. And hopefully we'll all be laughing. We'll say, hey, you remember that time, Skylar, it was your first episode and we were talking about WVU picking, getting picked 14th. And we'll all go get 14th tattoos on our arm or, or yeah. something like that to to yeah. really rub the, rub the Big 12 media's face and, in it. But yeah. And be ready for a jam-packed month of September. I think, I don't remember if it was Wes or Judd, I told almost the half of the season is played in the first month of the season. It's crazy. Five games in September. It's crazy. So yep. a lot of football early on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gotta be ready to go. I mean, obviously you better be ready to go up and up in Happy Valley in a nighttime game and they're stripe the stadium helmet stripe. They do like one stripe down the middle of the stadium. It's gonna be bonkers. All right. I've been to game I've been to I've been to Happy Valley twice in my life for Penn State, Ohio State games, and it is bonkers. It is one of the craziest atmospheres you've ever been in. You better be ready to go then. Uh, and and rolling throughout the month of September, where Penn State, Pitt, uh, Texas Tech, I'm you, Texas tough, Tech, TCU, is the darling of the off season. Texas Tech is getting so much love. They are. They. Are. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna talk trash on them though, because we haven't beat them in five years. So. Oh, I'm, say word. <laughs> I'm saying that is a supremely challenging. If we won four in a row against them, that game is going to be tough because of who they return and yeah. who they are. Yeah. That that's it. Up and coming program right now. Well, but folks, Texas is one of the Big Twelve. Texas is not one of the Big Twelve. No, I will. I will say this, and and this might this might a lot of people might disagree with me. 
But if it's going to be one of the two departing schools who wins the Big 12 this year, I would rather have it be Texas. I'm just so sick of Oklahoma. I'm uh, so sick of them acting like Lincoln, like Lincoln Riley was a bad coach just for them to go 6-6 six and six with Jesus Christ Brent Venables last year. I'm uh, so sick of those spoiled Sooners fans. Yes, I'd rather have Texas win it than Oklahoma this you know year. Chip Brown? I don't care. You know Chip Brown at 247, right? Yeah. Okay. He's, a, know, he's, the Texas, he's, he's the Texas guy, right? Like Burn Orange, right? Orange, Orange Nation or whatever. Well, I yeah. heard him uh, on uh, satellite radio the other day, uh, and, and he always brings good value and good stuff and good content. I mean, he knows Texas through and through. He made a statement that I was like, look, if you wanted to synthesize down into one little statement why Texas is going to get kicked in the mouth in the SEC – Oh, they're going to see, like they're going to clip this. They're going to clip this and put it in the locker okay. room for motivation. You don't need to clip it. No, no, it's not even a clip thing, Wes. It just says so much about Texas. Okay. All the resources, all the adjacent talent you could ever ask for, they, sh- they should be in contention to win a championship every year. They should stumble into it. And yet they find ways not to. If they sign a five star, it's not the right five star from the right school. So the boosters are mad at it. It's crazy. It's so insane. That that operation is is it, it, dysfunctional. It's crazy based on all the resources they have, all the talent in the state of Texas. Yeah. Chip Brown said something the other day, just in passing. They didn't even stop and consider or discuss this. But he said he was being asked by Rick Neuheisel and Chris Childers about, hey, what's going on in Austin? And, you know, I hear there's a lot of excitement and it's up and coming again with Sark and this and that. And his response was, he's like, guys, despite the fact that we have an MLS team in Austin, the Longhorns are still the biggest show in town. I'm like, did he just say that? Do you not hear what you just said? And you're going to the SEC with that statement? Can you imagine in Tuscaloosa? Hey, hey, that, oh, hey Matthew McConaughey owns that MLS team. Are you serious? Did he just say that? I'm not knocking the MLS. I'm just saying, how can you be serious in hey, Austin? Hey, hey, thinking, Messi, hey that MLS Messi is thing, in the MLS now, all right, Jeff? Show some respect. Messi's, Messi's in the MLS now. Right? Right. He's going to the SEC saying that. I'm like, good luck in the SEC saying, despite the MLS, we're still the biggest show in well, Are you listen, kidding me? I know Notre Dame, des- I know Notre Dame deserves, loser. yeah. I know Notre breed. Dame, Notre Dame deserves a shout, but nobody does less with more. Than, than the Texas Longhorns. But you know what? All it takes is one year for that script to flip, right? So let's hope 14th finishes up near the top and number one finishes down near the bottom, and then we'll all be Incredible very happy. Talent. And we They've can got everything they should. They're down on the way out to the do door. it. But I think they'll find a way to be Texas and not do it. Every year they should do it, and every year they find a way to not do it. And you know what? The last person who understood these shortcomings in this culture and what you were up against was Mac Brown. They were him out of town. Yeah. Mac Brown and they ran him out of town again. Where else in America can you find a situation where you sign a five star and boosters come back? Well, he's not from Lake Travis. What are you signing him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's just it's crazy. I mean, these are the stories that came out. I think it was the Charlie Strong era. Well, I mean, a lot of this started coming out, and it's it's just for all they have, it it it's it's so difficult to manage from the head coach's position. I mean, when's the last time a head coach went 4-0 in bowl games and got fired? You just saw that happen two years ago in Texas. It's it's this crazy, surreal. I will say, though, I will say, you're absolutely right. Everything you're saying is absolutely right. But from some pretty credible people, it sounded like there were a lot of WVU people putting their nose in this head coach basketball search as well, too. And 
we all remember what happened when Rich Rodriguez happened and leading up to the Fiesta Bowl and then in the, what happened in the – so it's not just Texas who has boosters that are always finding their way to, to stick some nose in something. But you are absolutely correct. It's unprecedented in Texas. They take it to a 1,000-degree new level Certainly that nobody do. else understands. They, I, mean, I think Notre, I think Notre Dame is pretty close, but Texas is is in their, is in their is own category. Animal. I mean, it's, yeah. Texas it's, takes it to an NBA level, like where Mike Budenholzer wins an NBA Finals in two years like it's out of a job. He's, he's out of a job. Like it's it's incredibly stupid, but I mean, if there's one team and one in in this conference right now that I think not only is going to make a lot, lot of noise this year, they're my preseason favorite to win it all in, in terms of the Big Twelve, and to continue to be maybe the one or two favorites of this league moving forward, it's Kansas State. Yeah. I love Chris Kleiman. I think he's he's got so much stability there, and they just seem to get steadily get better it's not like they're a team that's going to just compete for college football playoff every single year but he makes or he gets the most out of those kids i mean they're three-star kids they're not getting they've done it in the trenches talking about the point of attack both sides of the football have been exceptional their offensive line is going to be exceptional again i'll tell you what since they moved to the odd stack defense two years ago They've been a completely um, different – they were so vanilla defensively that you could take advantage of some of the things they were doing. But that kind of creativity, I agree with that. I mean, when's the last time you saw a returning or defending league champion get to do so so quietly as what they're doing right now? No, it's a great call. And uh, maybe something for us to aspire to in Morgan time. Skylar, this was fun, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the party, and uh, I hope hope it went well here for your first go at it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm glad to be a part of this, guys. And like I said, you get you guys are showing a lot of support and and everything throughout the years, and even the last coming weeks. Um, so just thanks for having me on. I'm excited. This is gonna be a lot of fun. No, absolutely. Like Jed said, we got some guests coming your way with with Skylar's hosting and producing abilities. We're gonna have some really fun stuff for you. Uh, when we get close to the season and in the regular season, uh, I was talking with Skyler last week, Owen last week, brainstorming some ideas. So I think we've uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming. It's been we're coming up on about our one year anniversary here now. Just another uh, just another couple weeks, yeah. And uh, the first year was a lot of fun, a lot of success. But I think uh, year, uh, it's that's right. I think year year number two is uh, give me a give me a head coach who won a national championship in his second year. There's there's got to be one. I'm just drawing a blank. Larry right? did it his first. Did did Urban Meyer was that second year at Florida when he won the national championship? That seems well, yeah, that seems right. Let's see the Fiesta Bowl at Utah, and then he left. Was there a, mm-hmm. a gap year between that and the Chris mm-hmm. Leak year when yep. Tebow was a freshman? I think you're pretty right. sure. Pretty sure. So something like that. All right, year number two the national Bowl, championship. Let me leave that out. That's when right. Utah do not leave that. Do not pit. leave Thank that you. out. Yeah, do not That's leave right. that out. Right. Uh, for our golf outing buddy, the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt, the new face, Skylar Callahan, and of course, the Signal College Jed Drenning. I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. Take care, everybody. Continue to enjoy the summer, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.